Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Get off my lawn. Neosporin, way better than merthiolate, which is definitely, definitely... What's that, old-timer? Old man. Oh, <laughs> it was this nasty stuff. There were two types, mercurochrome and merthiolate. This was pre-neosporin. Play the music. I don't care. You cut yourself when you were a kid. Right. And it was this nasty, like it stained your skin orange. Right. And, and, and the mercurochrome did not burn. The merthiolate was awful. It burned. It like burned out the bacteria. <laughs> I heard from a lot of people yesterday. Let me tell you something. I heard from a lot of people yesterday who yeah. grew up in the 70s and can relate to that. Mercurochrome would make Mc- your skin Are you saying Mercurochrome? Mercurochrome. Man, Mercurochrome. they did not know marketing at that in the 70s, huh? They no, just went no. with the dumbest names possible. Mercurochrome <laughs> okay. and merthiolate. Merthiolate. But the merthiolate was like, like, I don't, like, there were two options at the store. You can get the one that doesn't cause your kid pain or you can get the one that causes your kid intense pain for all the sadistic <laughs> right. parents out there. And it had this weird long applicator that you just kind of dabbed it on. It was just weird. Everything about it was strange. Sounds it like should it. have been the ultimate deterrent to avoid getting cut, or if you did get cut, to avoid letting your parents know you've been cut. Just silently suffer your injury <laughs> otherwise you must deal maybe that was the whole thing they just didn't want to deal with the kid being yeah, cut so right. they knew it was i'll mercura call you i'll mercura call after yeah after of course you wash the wound in hydrogen peroxide oh that's that right was, that had to make sure kid. we burn the skin the seven times before we burn yes. it four more times with the medicine and and the, and if the hydrogen peroxide really bubbled that meant it was working to clean out the wound oh that yes was one of yes the most important yeah. things you had right. to do before the mercury cream or the methylate all right uh thanks to our friends at points bet i have no idea how to take that and turn it into what we're going to do but points bet for 2021, the win totals projected the over-under prop bet that you can make now. And we spotted some yesterday that, to me, look pretty ripe, like the Saints at nine. Are you kidding me? The Saints are going to win more than nine games this year. Hashtag old takes exposed. The Rams at ten and a half. I really like that one. Some of the others that we talked about yesterday I like. Let's see what we like or don't like in the AFC. And let's begin with the champions of the conference and the two-time, well, the two-time champions of the conference. That's what I was trying to say. So I said it. Kansas City, 12. That's the highest number we've seen so far. 12 wins for the Chiefs. Projects to 12-5. and These are all based on 17 games. I'm not surprised by that. I'm not surprised by it at all, Chris. I would expect the Chiefs to win more than 12 games in 2021 despite the issues that they've had i i mean i i'm with you i think yes i mean yeah 12 games in a 17 game season 
you know, again, with, with what they have on the offensive side of the ball and just how special Mahomes is and everything like that, yeah, I'm expecting them still to be one of the best teams in the AFC. And we've seen, again, the last few years, the defense continues to, you know, be solid. You know, it's not like it's like it was five years ago where you just went, man, the offense or they got a score. We don't know if the defense really can stop anybody. I mean, the defense is they have a presence on that football team. They do make plays. So, yeah, even though it, it's still swayed to the offensive side of the ball, I still look at Kansas City as certainly being one of the, the best teams in the AFC. I'm I'm surprised to see the Chargers. Yes, at that's nine. the shocker there, right? That's nine and eight. I think they're going to be better than nine and eight with Brandon Staley with Justin Herbert in year two if they can keep some guys healthy. And that's always the if with the Chargers. And I continue to say when you've got these injury issues that play out over time, at some point you really have to take a step back and look at what your organization is doing to get guys ready to keep guys healthy. It isn't just bad luck. We see guys get pretzeled up all the time on Sundays and they pop up and they keep going. And the Chargers have to find a way to get their their guys healthy and keep them healthy. If they can do that, they're going to sail past nine, Chris. In I, my view. I, I mean, yes, it's it, it's a it's like again, it's total projection. But I I think you know what you know sports book is telling us here a little bit is like wait, look at this team. There's a lot to like here. I mean, there there is. I mean, when you look at the offense, it was one of the better offenses in football last year. We know they got a star quarterback. They got good receivers. They've tried to improve their offensive line this offseason. Gave the big money to Corey Lindsley. You know, signed Matt Filer from the, the the Steelers. So they're trying to be, you know, help that part of their team. And as we talked about last year too, the defense is damn good. I mean, it was a top ten defense in football all year long. So I think if you take away some of the management of games and some of the crazy things that happened to them last year, you look at them and go. Wait, they, they could have won nine games last year in a lot of ways, or at least been right around 500 or something like that. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. I look at the Chargers to be that team that didn't make the playoffs that are certainly going to be in the playoff conversation for 2021. And the other thing to keep in mind, all of the four teams in the AFC West will play in addition to the two each round robin they play every team from the AFC North which is one of the tougher divisions in football every team from the NFC East which means fatten up the four teams from the AFC West and that 17th game and and I, I've noticed some confusion out there and I think Pete texted this last night the 17th game yeah. doesn't mean it's the last game of the season. The last game of the season Wait, is what always is up a divisional with that? game. What is up with people People think that. that the 17th game is the last game. That it's just like putting the, the tail on the donkey. It just means it's the extra game. Right. The game that wouldn't have been played. It could be week one. It could be week five. It could be week 12. It could be week 17, not week 18. It won't be your last game of the season. But uh, the, the Chiefs pick up the Packers in that interconference game, the champions of the NFC North. The Chargers, by virtue of finishing third in the AFC West, will play the Vikings, who were the third place. So that's another area where it's a little easier for the Chargers, a little tougher for the Chiefs, and surely that's a factor in these projections by points bet. Yeah, I, I I would think so. And you know, and and of course, you know, just going back to the Chargers again. You look at them. I mean, how many games realistically did they blow at the end of the at the end of the game last year? Really? I mean, they were a seven and nine football team that easily. I mean, could have been ten, 10 and six, maybe even eleven and five. I mean, there were so many games where you just went, I can't believe they found a way to lose that game. That is unbelievable. They lost it. They outplayed that team for fifty eight minutes, fifty eight and a half minutes, and they lose. Uh, so there, there's there's great potential for that Chargers football team, and uh, I'm with you. Yeah, it, it helps. You know, the Vikings. That's a uh, win. Chalk it up. Chalk it up for the Chargers. Win. Ultimately, ultimately got. I, I hear you. Ultimately got <laughs> Anthony Lynn fired and Brandon Staley, who won rave reviews in his one year as the defensive coordinator of the LA Rams, staying in the same stadium, not just in the same city, but in the same venue, and has an opportunity to make that team into something it hasn't been in a very long time and yeah i think nine is low for them how about yeah the las vegas raiders at seven and a half they were eight and eight last year again this is based on 17 games if they fall under seven wins 
if they go six and eleven or worse, I don't know what it means for John Gruden. I still think it's going to take a lot for Mark Davis to fire his buddy. I, I really do, and I think Mark Davis is content for John Gruden to be the coach of the team. The team's been bad for what almost twenty years now. You can be bad and not have John Gruden, or you can be bad and have John Gruden. I, I don't think that. That, that this is a hot seat year for John Gruden. I don't care how bad they may be. And there's still a chance they're going to be pretty good. I, I just don't know right now. They fall into that category of I don't know what to make of them because of all the changes that they've made, specifically along their offensive line. Oh, I know. It's, it's a hard team to get a feel for as we sit here in April. It, it might be one of those things where you have to revisit this conversation after the draft, see what holes they fill, those type of things. But, yeah, there's the questions on the O-line. <laughs> Excuse me. We know that. You know, they, they did give Colton Miller that big contract. They re-signed Richie Incognito, right? They signed uh, the center, Nick Martin. So they got him. So they filled some of those holes. But, yeah, it, it's, it's a little bit hard to get a feel for them. And then you look on the defensive side of the ball, and I think we're still sitting there having the same conversation we did, you know, at the end of the year. It's just like, you know, what, what, what is there? Who's, what, what part of the defense is a difference maker? What part is special? Where is it going to come from, the production, the plays, those type of things? So I, I'm with you. I don't think Gruden's butt is on the hot seat. I don't. You know, maybe if they went 13-3 and three and it was a disaster, do I think he could maybe be in trouble? Okay. Uh, I still think he'd probably get the benefit of another year. To, you know, to they're, they're in the process. They've rolled out the red carpet to let him get this team where he wants. And it's obviously not there yet. But there's still, yeah, a lot of question marks about this football team. Not sure where they're going right now. AFC East, the Buffalo Bills were the champions last year. Points bet has the Bills at 10.5 wins. A little bit of a surprise from 13 and 3 to either 10 and 7 or 11 and 6. I would expect the Bills to still be pretty good. They will have that first place schedule and they will have a better rest of the division this year. That's where it gets interesting yeah. for Buffalo. Patriots better. Dolphins likely better. Jets new quarterback who could be great right out of the gates who knows after yeah. that two Robert Sala season last year yeah yeah so uh I I you know it, it it my first thought with Buffalo was that seems a little low but then when you start broadening it a bit and you consider the rest of the schedule you consider they are going to have those three first place games not two anymore but there's three games now that are driven by where you finished it could make it a little harder for Buffalo and and they're going to be in a tougher position to take anyone by surprise next year this Definitely. past year, there was a little element of that. We didn't expect this from the Bills. There'll be a team that gets circled a little more strongly by the opponents. And that, even though it's like, oh, that doesn't matter. In a long season, it does matter. There are teams that you take seriously. There are teams that you say, ah, and they're no longer a team that you look at and say, ah. Yeah, no, you're right. They're here. When you have a quarterback like that, everybody's going to be watching you or ready for you when you come to town. Uh, so I'm with you there. You know, got to play the NFC South, the AFC South. You know, some tough games there. But I think ultimately the big thing, too, like is what you're saying, Mike, the division has gotten better. I mean, it's it's really good. It's I, I'm excited to watch the AFC East football this year. You know, again, I'm a huge fan of what New England did to improve their football team. And I think we're both big fans of what Miami's been doing and doing to, to kind of get them to be a, a perennial power. So uh, I, I still think the Bills are really good. But, yeah, there's there's more competition there this year. And I think the big thing with the Bills, too, more than anything, you know, we know their offense is in a great spot. Uh, it's a special quarterback. But, you know, I, I, I look at their defense still to go, hey, it's good. You know, they got Leslie, Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott coaching it, and they do a lot of awesome stuff on that side of the ball. But th they could use another playmaker, difference maker, something somewhere in the, on the front four Maybe in this, you know, maybe another corner. I don't know, but I would like to see them get a pass rusher or some disruptor up front to really help their team. It ultimately was the offense that got stymied by the Ravens in uh, in the postseason when the Bills finally saw their run come to an end. Or oh, wait a minute, no, Am they I lost getting, in the I'm championship. Getting, no, it was game. the other way around. Yeah, it was they a tough game. It was remember it was ten three. Right, Lamar it was drove game. down. It was a game where. Exactly. And then he threw the I misremember. Yeah, it's okay. I apologize. A lot's happened in the past yeah. few months. It was a very windy night. It was a very Buffalo, windy and, night. And the Bills' offense still was not as impressive in that game Definitely as we thought not. it was going to be. The Ravens did a good job of stymieing the offense, uh, the offense that was so high powered. That's my effort to save 
my blunder. Uh, blunders in New England galore last year, leading to a 7-9 and nine record. They have gone all out to make the team better. I see that 9 sitting there, Chris, and I say, wow, I think the 9-8 and eight for the Patriots this year, I'll, I'll go over 9-8 and eight for the Patriots when you consider that they still managed to win seven games with a roster that was so overmatched. The week-in and week-out willing of the team to be better than the individual parts may be, I could see the Patriots not necessarily catching the Bills. Maybe they will, but but getting the double-digit wins. I, I think too. that's that's an easy that's an easy yes. Sign me up for that proposition. I, I'm 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 there with you, big guy, all, all the way. I mean, with that coaching staff, the way they set you know set their game plans up, you know, and of course the, the way they coach their football teams, and now you got talent to go along with that. And again, a, a, a talent that I think fits what they want to do. They don't give a damn what the rest of the world thinks and all these type of things. They have a plan as far as how they want to play and the style of football they want to play. And I think all these guys they've gotten, even though maybe not be the sexiest names, are really damn good football players. They're going to help them accomplish their goal to play a certain way. And I think you're going to see a different Cam Newton this year. So, I, I, I mean, I'm with you. I think New England... They have a resurgence back to the top of football this year. And I expect them to be in a dogfight with, with the Buffalo Bills to win the AFC East. I don't think I'm just going to give the AFC East crown to the, the Bills for a second year in a row. The Dolphins won 10 games last year in a 16-game season. They are at nine this year in a 17-game season. I can't help but regard that as a, a vote of no confidence in Tua Tonga-Vailoa yeah. now that his relief pitcher, Ryan Fitzpatrick, isn't there. I, I mean, I think so, too. I think there's a little bit like, hey, we all like the team and all of that, you know. But, again, even with Tua winning games, they were managed perfectly last year in a lot of ways. The defense made a lot of big plays to help out, those type of things. I think we're just not sure about them. You know, again, we know we can win games and do stuff like that. But, you know, for, for quarterback and especially playoff caliber teams and things like that, it's like those one or two games where you go, man, our team didn't play good. But, damn, our quarterback was awesome. He got us over the hump today. We won a game. We, we didn't play our best football. I, I think that's the big question about them. you know. And then the other thing, too, is just what do they get to help them out? Is number six pick going to be that wide receiver, that explosive element on offense that they do miss? They need, they need one more stud muffin there to help them out on that, on that side of the ball. Defense is pretty damn good. Um, so I, I, it's all about Tua to me. It's about – can he make plays? Can they open up the offense this year around him to scare people and not have to play this, wait, we got to take care of him, we got to run the ball, and defense, I hope you hold them under 20 or around there or we're not going to win the game. That, to me, I just don't think it's realistic two years in a row, and I think that's where you know you see this, this line being a little questionable. The Jets at 6.5 caught my attention considering they were 2-14 and 14 last year. And for the most part, these numbers seem – a little high. There's a little optimism infused into them. We know that there will be teams that go under the number. There will be teams that win three or four or two or maybe even one game in a 17-game season. Who knows? But this shows that Vegas believes in where the Jets are heading, yeah. what they've done by hiring Robert Sala, and also this assumption that, that uh, they're upgrading at quarterback to go from six from two to six and a half, maybe more. I, I, I wouldn't rule it out. I don't know that I'd sign on for the over six and a half. I'm just surprised that that's where the number is. I, I would be hesitant about going over five and a half or maybe even four and a half if I, if I were, were betting on this just because the Jets still have a lot of work to do. There's no guarantee they're going to come out of the gates, especially in a division like this, and be dramatically better than they were in only one year. No, I, I mean, it, it, it is. It's a tough division. I do think the new energy of Salah, the new quarterback, all of those things are positives for, for the franchise. They've made some great free agent signings, you know, during that period that that like players that fit the way they want to play football, you know, especially on the defensive side of the ball with Jared Davis. You're gonna have him with Mosley at middle linebacker. Whoa, that's pretty damn good. You know, you go out and they got a Carl Lawson, a legit pass rusher off the edge, a LaMarcus Joyner. They made sure they keep Marcus May. You know, those things make sense for their football team. Yeah, I don't know if I'd like bet money uh, that, that they would go over that six and a half, Mike. But I mean, I, I certainly think they're going to flirt with it for sure. And they get another 
weapon wide receiver in the draft with Zach Wilson to go along with that, you know, offense and what they're going to do there. Uh, they got some potential. They got something growing there. And I'm excited to see Zach Wilson in that Jets uniform. AFC North, the Steelers uh, are are down as expected. The Ravens finished 11-5 and last year. They did not win the division. They are projected based on win total to do so this year with that 11 number on a 17-game season. I, I think that seems about right. The competition increasing in the division and uh you know the 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 ravens um a team that that i never can get a good handle on when i think they're bad they turn it around when i buy in they find a way to fall apart um i don't know what their ceiling is this year they're one of the better teams in the conference and i think 11 bears that out you know there's just there's just four teams that that have that double digit projected win total. So I, I I it feels right to me. Yeah. And it's one that I would avoid trying to guess over or under on. No, I, I mean, you know, I, I I'm I'm with I mean I would expect them to be right there and still really a big time player in the AFC. Still, you know, at the end of the day, the the roster is just too damn good to think they're just gonna fall by the wayside. And then you add that to John Harbaugh and oh wait, we have a special quarterback who make plays. You know, even you know it was a down year last year, and they were eleven and five. That, that that's where the Ravens have come to. So uh, I look at them as still being a major player, but that division is real. I mean, as we know, Cleveland, the, those days are over. The Browns ain't the Browns anymore. That that's they can beat Baltimore, they can beat Pittsburgh, as we know. And then of course, hey, what's Pittsburgh going to be with Big Ben? There's those questions. Joe Burrow, his health, how effective can he be early on in the year? If he comes back like all systems go early on in the season. Hey, the Bengals, are, they're, they're going to be a pain in the butt for these football teams. They could add a loss to the schedule, something like that. Great division here. A lot of talent, but I'm still going to go with Baltimore as the king. The Bengals, the only team in the division who have a projected win total higher than what they had last year. And again, the 17-game season accounting for some of the difference. The Steelers from 12-4 and four down to an 8-5 and five projection. And, 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 you know, that feels just about right on the money from the standpoint of I have no idea whether I'd go above or below that because it's just flat, even, win some, lose some. They could be dramatically better. They could be dramatically worse. But as of right now, that that just – they're just yeah, kind of there. Why do you think there. it is? Yeah, I know. I mean, why, why? What do you think like Vegas, you know, sports book, anything here, just look at their points bet. Like what are they looking at with Pittsburgh to make them really question it? It's just the way the I think year it's the ended. offense. It's got to be the offense. Yeah, right? It's got to be the offense. Yeah. And it was, uh, the, the 11 game winning streak was inflated by so many games that they easily could have lost. And you do get credit for ultimately winning those games. But Ben Roethlisberger, now 39, just because he was healthy last year doesn't mean he's going to be healthy this year. He had the knee issues that we continued to hear about all year long, even though he wasn't on the injury report. It could just be it's a degenerative, arthritic type of a condition. There's nothing they can do about it. We can't treat it. There's nothing to do. You just got to gut it out. Who's their starting running back going to be? Right. What's their offensive line going to look like? That's it. Yeah. What, are they going to have an offensive attack that makes sense? Last year, yeah, they threw the ball a lot, but it, it, it didn't allow them to win games when they needed to win games, and it caused their offense to sputter because it was all, or at least mostly, short passes. I think it's the offense that drags down the perception of this team. The defense is still fine. Yeah. And the thing about the Steelers, when the, when the expectations are low, that is when they find a way to defy them. So, uh, you know, th- th- this, this may be setting up for the Steelers to just have a sneaky kind of a great year as we write them off and... I still think that the best move would have been to move on from Ben Roethlisberger just because even if they have a good year, they're not going to be a Super Bowl team. I think that's really what it comes down to. If you're holding the band together in the hopes that you can get a Super Bowl out of this group, I think that there are fundamental differences between 2021 and 2005 when they held it together for one more year with Jerome Bettis and won the Super Bowl. And then the next year was Bill Cowher's swan song, and they finally got him a Super Bowl, and they finally got their fifth ring. Everything was set up for that from a talent standpoint. I feel like they... They have a gap between them and, at a minimum, the Chiefs and the Bills and, and possibly the Ravens, and who knows? Maybe the way the Browns are going, maybe there's a talent gap. If you throw out the helmets and the names and the histories, maybe you could say the Browns, position by position, average player, better than the Steelers. No, I, I mean, listen, you, you said a lot of things that I agree with, 
you know, the the Steelers, you know, first off, I, I think you're totally right. It, it's all about the offense. Of course it is. The defense is special. I mean, it, it, it's a superstar defense. You know, it really is. I mean, they, they got everything you want. Yeah, they lost Bud Dupree. That That's going to hurt them. But they got pretty good replacements there uh, as far as guys that are good, serviceable. Let's not forget, you know, Devin Bush got hurt, the middle linebacker last year who's so important to that scheme and everything like that. So it is. It's just about, like, what are they going to do on offense? You know, you know you're right. Like, they're, it, it's like, hey, uh, we're going to try to maybe change the way we play or do change something. I don't know. Were they capable? It's not like they had a lot of money in free agency to sign different players on their team and change the outlook of their offense altogether. It is going to be about that attitude. And the one thing I'll say, too, is, you know, Mike Tomlin, the Steelers, they're, they're renegades. So the, to, to you, like, like what you're saying, where it's like expectations aren't high and everybody's sleeping on them, you know, they are the kind of group that'll get chippy. And, oh, yeah, we can't run the ball and do those things. And they'll take interest in – you know, putting full pads on in training camp and doing those type of things. But I think the offense are all the questions. Yeah, Big Ben, where is he at? Can that offensive line block and can they be more balanced because it's crazy the way they played last year, asking him to drop back that many times. And, yeah, can they have a running back that's that's a real difference maker? That's the big question. Yeah, it's great receivers, but we can't throw it every play. There's got to be something else with a 39-year-old quarterback, and, and I'm with you, Mike. I think that's got to be the big question there. The ability of Mike Tomlin, the coach of that team, who is so incredibly well-respected among his peers to get the absolute most out of whatever he has. 2019, they lose Roethlisberger week two in that game against the Seahawks, and, and, he, and he, Tomlin, nearly wills them to the playoffs. That was amazing. And, and I just think it, 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 now that the expectations are kind of bottoming out, I think that the, the Steelers, if they can keep key players like Roethlisberger healthy, uh, they, they they could they could surprise us with what they do in 2021. The AFC South, the Indianapolis Colts, uh, and the Tennessee Titans, both 11 and five last year. This year, a little gap between the Colts and Tennessee. The Colts who picked up Carson Wentz in that trade with the Eagles last month, uh, with 10 wins projected, and and that I I. Hmm. When you, you know, it all comes down to Wentz, but I could see them winning more than 10 games. If Wentz is the guy that he was before 2020, yeah. I could see it happen, Chris. I, I can too. I, I mean, I, I think a base level, like the Colts have the most complete roster in the AFC South. I think it, 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 to me, it would be hard to argue that right now. You know, we know they got pretty good receivers. Yeah. You know, they need, you know, guys like Paris Campbell to, to be healthy and help them out. The running back's awesome. Offensive line, you know, really damn good. You know, they'll, they're going to figure out, I don't know, maybe they'll get an upgrade or draft somebody in the draft for left tackle. They have guys there that could certainly hold down the fort in the meantime. Defense, it's a top 10 defense. So, I mean, you look at everything that way and you just go, hey, the Colts, the Colts got it all. They really do. They're really close. They are in the Super Bowl window. There's no doubt. Mike, the same thing, like, I'll go back with them. You know, there's, there's a lot to love and like about their team. There's only one area. I just wish they had a little bit more production or disruption or whatever you want to say. And that's just, you know, I wish they could find a, a, a real big-time pass rusher off the edge. With the way they play and that kind of Seattle scheme, they don't want to blitz a whole lot. You know, they are dependent on that pass rush. Uh, that, that'd be the only thing I can look at on a, on a pretty well-built football team that I could go, eh, I wish that was better. Other than that, it's all pretty damn good. Jacksonville was 1-15. They are like the Jets at a 6.5 projected win total. Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence, is that enough to create that bump? They added a bunch of free agents. None of them are superstar caliber. It's all due respect. Trevor Lawrence, Urban Meyer, does that allow you to say this team can be good enough to get close to six wins or maybe get more? I, I, I that that's a that's a tough one. I mean, I I don't know if the Urban Meyer Trevor Lawrence bump is worth five games, right? Uh, I mean, I know we got the extra game this year and all of those type of things, but I, I mean, there's just so many. You know, one, what is the offense really going to look like? You know, is, is it going to be an Urban Meyer collegey type offense? I think so. He's got guys like Daryl Bevel there, of course, who have been in the NFL for a long time. I I mean. Yeah, right now, that's just a total projection on energy, the quarterback. Hey, good free agent signings, but I don't think anything that blows us out of the water there. 
Uh, I have no idea with Jacksonville what they're going to be, but at least it's exciting. We know that with the two new guys and the head coach and the quarterback, that's going to give that fan base and, and city, you know, some, some fun times in the future. It's amazing how overlooked Trevor Lawrence has been just because we regard it as a given. There's no mystery. That's it's right. been set up for, for multiple years. Yeah. Since we saw what he did as a freshman, we knew he was going to be the first pick. And now it's all these other guys we're talking about. Zach Wilson, thanks to you. Mac Jones, thanks to you. <laughs> others, thanks to you and others. And we're, those are the guys we're focused on. Yeah. Because it's like the haze in the barn on Trevor Lawrence. And at some point, it's like, oh, yeah, they're going to play football games. There's a chance he's going to be really good. There's a chance he's going to elevate this Jaguars team. There's a chance they're going to win more than six and a half games yeah. in 2021. Uh, Urban Meyer was the Ohio State coach. Ryan Day is now. He said something very admirable to Peter King in yesterday's Football Morning in America to support quarterback Justin Fields. But in so doing, Ryan Day may have gone a little bit too far in knocking the players who made the conscientious decision not to play in 2020. We'll discuss that next year on PFL. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The controversy from last week regarding comments that were shared by Dan Orlovsky as it relates to Justin Fields has sparked a defense of Fields by the obvious people who would be in position to defend him, including his head coach at Ohio State. And I got no problem with anything Ryan Day said yeah. to support Justin Fields. And one of the things that Fields should be credited for is at a time when the 2020 Big Ten season was done, it was over, it was kaput, Fields led the way to get the players on the field to have a season. Yeah. And yes, that cuts against the idea that he doesn't love football as much as he should. So it was good for Ryan Day to support his guy. It was good to point that out. It's good to point out how he performed against Clemson after he'd been blown up, sir. But here's the the, the problem, the yellow part. Where was everybody else? Where were the guys who were opting out then when they were trying to save the season? You know, you don't love the game if you're doing something like that. Chris, that's the yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's not my right. with what they yeah, said. Yeah, I hear you. No, it's 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 no, it's not right. Yeah. It's absolutely wrong to call guys out who made the decision for their own reasons, for their family reasons, for any reason to not play football for free. It's not professional to walk away from the season as a health matter, as a public safety matter, that doesn't mean you don't love football. That, no, that, that, no. that, that can't be compared. No, and so no. I got no problem with him defending his guy, but he went too far in taking shots at the guys who opted out. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, uh, he's trying to do a positive here. There's no doubt. You're right. I mean, listen, it's, it's part of the football world, un unfortunately. It's the psyche, you know. You're a man. you got to play football. What? Your leg's falling off. you got to be a man. Well, no, sometimes real men make decisions based on their family, and that's what a real man has to do. Oh, wait, I have a grandmother that lives me that's susceptible, or, you know, my wife has issues. Like That's what a real man does. He does what he has to do for the betterment of his family, his life, and those that he around him that he's got to take care of. 
So, yeah, that's where it's wrong. But really, hey, he's trying to make a point and defend his quarterback. And, and, yeah, he misspeaks or says that, and he shouldn't have. But he was trying to make the point of, wait, this guy is like got everybody together to what you're saying and said, let's play football. We can do this. Come on. And he's just he's trying to stop the negative talk about Justin Fields right now that's out there to let everybody know that the guy does love football. He loves being around it, and, and it proved itself last year. Or – Chris, Yo in way. his zeal to defend his quarterback, yeah. he accidentally allowed what he truly believes to emerge from his mouth. Yeah, sure. To me, sure. that's the most that's realistic coaches. explanation. Yeah, yeah. He didn't he didn't misspeak. He accidentally revealed who he is that's and right. what he thinks. That's right. And I, I made the point yesterday, you know, I'm not gonna get on the soapbox and say I wouldn't send my kid to play for Ryan Day because the reality is most of those guys, and when I say those guys, I mean college football coaches are wired to think that way. The system creates it. The players aren't paid. Who gets paid? The coach gets paid. I don't know the details of Ryan Day's contract as it relates to whether or not he would have been paid or wouldn't have been paid last year if there was no football season, but if there's no season at all, I have, I suspect that Ohio State would take a careful look at his contract to see if there's a clause in there that allows them to turn the faucet off. Yeah. And maybe. when you get the guys who aren't being paid to jostle and cajole and ultimately finagle a football season, yeah, you're going to be happy with them and you're going to be a little bit salty about the guys who potentially caused your W-2 to crater. Yeah. And that's one of the problems with it. We talked last week about the reckoning that college football and college sports generally is currently facing. These comments underscore the need for it because it's wrong to call out the guys who did what's right for them or their families. You mentioned the family concerns. Look look at all the athletes who are proving to have heart problems after having COVID, right. regardless of how sick they got right. or didn't get, yeah. having these heart issues going forward. People were making a conscientious decision and they should not be knocked for it. Support Justin Fields all you want. Yeah. But when you accidentally bear your soul and we see what we already knew, and I suspect that those same sentiments are lurking in the souls of most college most coaches. coaches. It is significant yeah. that they accidentally blurted it out. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, I think of the NFL. I think, you know, you took the majority of NFL coaches. They probably at their heart feel the same way. Like the guys that really loved it were here. Those other guys, uh you know, I, I think that's – listen, that's part of the NFL, the football, the coach, the player makeup. I'm not even going to lie. I probably would think of like that a little bit too if I was in a locker room. Like, oh, man, does he love football? It's really not thinking clearly. It's like your own selfish reasons to get back to your point, and, and you're right. It's, I, I don't think it's probably that crazy of a thought for NFL coaches, college coaches, or anything like that because of the way they're wired. The big thing too, Mike, the big thing here – more than not and anything or anything here. It's just Justin Fields, the the controversy around him right now. Where is he going to go? I mean, some people seem like they're going to have a heart attack and fall on the ground if Mac Jones gets drafted in front of him. You know, it just that's, – that's the interesting thing right now. There's big-time talent. It's unpolished. It shows on film. That's scary to pick a quarterback in the top ten that's like that. You know, so – and now we've seen Carolina – They've answered their quarterback problem. We don't know what Atlanta's going to do at four. We're not sure. Are the 49ers and Justin Fields? Man, that that would be awesome. I mean, uh, I, I, I hear you. I mean, that Shanahan with, with Justin Fields running 4-4 four, four at 230 pounds, that could be scary, you know. Uh, but but I still think that'll be Mac Jones. And I'm just I'm interested to see what happens with Justin Fields here as we get close to the draft and where he ends up and what team he ends up on. And when you say Justin Fields is unpolished and it shows on film, that is your assessment of the film. That isn't what someone is whispering to you because I think the one big takeaway from what happened last week, yeah. we all need to be aware as producers of content and consumers of content in the run-up to the draft that the teams will try. Sure. And, and this is this strange Machiavellian mindset, and we talk about it every year. The teams that love a guy, that covet a guy, that need him to slide will try to get him to slide by launching into a whisper campaign aimed at sparking the player dropping past three and four and five and six and seven and wherever, and we get him. 
And yeah, right. we did it. We were the ones behind it. And it happens. And it's weird because, you know, I've seen scouts say, I don't know why teams even bother to do it because we spend hours and hours right. of study and we vet our board. Here's why they do it. Because the owners get involved. And the owners are the ones who are hearing this stuff that's on TV and in podcasts and in videos and on on websites like PFT. They see that and they start asking tough questions. And that's what throws a wrench into all the work that the scouts have done. Because if the owner's mind can be corrupted in a certain way, Chris, that's when that's when a guy maybe will slide, yeah. regardless of what the scouts are saying. No, I, I, there's there's some truth to that. We know the owners like to stick their nose in this time of the year. And yeah, they'll trump everything that they've done, the work, the background checks, all those type of things. Uh, but yeah, this Justin Fields situation, very interesting. It really is you know, high-end talent, but there is a there is a floor too that's low, and I think that's what's scary. And I think that's you know at least what I see on film. And you just get past that point, Mike. And last thing I'll say, just with like, man, now like we talked about the Panthers being gone, you start to look at if he doesn't get drafted by the 49ers at three or the Falcons at four, where does it end up? Where is the next quarterback run? I mean, is it New England at 15? Is it Washington a few picks later? I don't know. And that's where I think the draft can be really intriguing. If those guys are on the board in the second half of that first round, we could see some action. I think the key's the Broncos at nine. If he gets past the Broncos at nine, then it gets very interesting yeah. through the teens right. for Justin Fields. Let's take a break. When we return, the Jets were the headline today because of the Sam Darnold trade. We're going to take a trip down memory lane that may spark bad memories for Jets fans. The most disappointing <laughs> Jets quarterbacks of all time. All of we'll them since Joe Namath. All of them. BFT Live. <laughs> we'll be back with more. What's that have to do with anything? All right, look at the New York Jets. First-round pick since 2012. Not good at all. Traded, 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 traded since 2013. Whoa. Unbelievable. So now Sam Darnold traded. After they traded up from 6-3 to three to give him, they gave up three second-round picks to make the trade up. They get a second-round pick, a fourth-round pick, and a sixth-round pick to move on from him. So... Let's draft. Man, what's, that's the crazy there, that, that graphic. Because the, the three guys that are actually good, aren't they didn't keep them. They're not on their team. That's, that's what's even funnier about that. Well, because they didn't want to pay him. That's I what know. it came down to. They didn't want to pay him. The, Hilarious. The good guys they didn't want to pay. <gasps> all right, you're up first. Uh, most disappointing Jets, Jets quarterbacks of all time. Go. Well, I think I'll start off with Richard Todd. I mean, Richard Todd came in as the heir apparent for Joe Namath. Everybody thought he was going to be the savior of the organization. That type of guy came from Alabama just like Joe Namath, was coached by Bear Bryant. He's a superstar, can't miss type guy. And, of course, it was a disaster. He threw more interceptions than touchdowns. You know, he's famous, of course, I can still remember one of the first stories I ever heard about him was he was the guy that threw Steve Serby, the great New York sports writer, into a locker, right, over some disagreement. Or I can't remember. I think it was like maybe Serby wrote an article about the backup quarterback should play or something like that. But uh, that, even though that was before my time, even as a young boy, I knew the name Richard Todd and that it wasn't a good thing. So uh, I'll go with that as my first. <laughs> <laughs> That's just funny. As you're growing up. <laughs> Toddling around the house, you know when you hear Richard Todd, that is a signif uh, an indication that the guy Bill Sims sucks. is turning into uh, Richard Todd. Who's that, Dad? Oh, some stinky quarterback. Oh, they're saying they're going to be like him. Come on, man, pick up your pick up your play. I, you know, there's so many different ways I can go here. Um, I got to go Neil O'Donnell just because he came in as a free agent with a big contract, yeah. with a ton of expectations, a ton of hype, and he just flat out stunk. And uh, that, that, isn't that the only foray into a major long-term multi-year quarterback contract that the Jets have made where they expect it? We're signing this guy right out of the gate, Super Bowl quarterback. And, and the Steelers are like, go ahead, you can take, go ahead, please. You have, have fun. You can, you can have him. And it just, it was a disaster for him and for the Jets. And that was that for Neil O'Donnell. Yeah, there was great expectations. I mean, yeah, coming from the Steelers, the Super Bowl team, you just thought, oh man, this will be great. He'll give them a little... You know, help, but you know, just just like we talk about with a lot of these quarterbacks, there's just not a lot of support there by the team to help out any of these damn quarterbacks out. But yeah, the Neil O'Donnell Neil O'Donnell experiment was quick and uh, wasn't that good. That's for sure. 
Um, man, I'm not sure what I'm going to go with here. All right, I, I mean, I, I guess I'm going to go with Browning Nagel. I'm going to go. Yes. With, yes. Going with Browning Nagel. I mean, I just remember him coming out of Louisville, you know, and him being the big thing here in the New York area. Always oh, a second round pick, but he's really a first round talent type guy. There was all this talk here. And listen, I don't know. I don't. I got. I mean, I, I don't remember anything. I was obsessed with football at that point in my life. Like. Nothing like, I, yeah, I don't remember any. What was it? Would you say eight TDs, nine picks, 20, 20 picks as the as, as as the career? So, yes, that's like not very good. Certainly that was one of that happened so quick. There was all these expectations and just like uh, Neil O'Donnell, it was gone in like two years. He was taking one pick right after. Brett Favre in the 1991 draft. Oh, my gosh. And Ron Wolf, who was in the Jets' front office at the time, was hoping and wishing and praying that Favre would make it down to that spot and the Jets would have taken Favre in 1991, not Browning Nagel, and Nagel was indeed a disaster. 2013 draft, was it? 2013, Geno Smith, second-round pick, New York Jets, total disaster it just it it just was you know it's easy to say I, look mark sanchez won four playoff games yeah. all on the road i think that's still a record right. i it was geno smith the replacement for sanchez that was a disaster for the jets never should have picked him never worked out i know he's still in the nfl he's the backup to russell wilson he's still getting a paycheck i respect that but as a starter it just it it never happened and when you get picked as high as he did early part of round 2 it was uh, it was not good. Yeah. And the notorious and sucker punch well, from I mean. IKN and Polly, right? Uh, over some stupid money he owed camp him. Or right. Pay. It was like, did you reimburse him for his flight to go to a football camp? They got into an argument. And he got sucker punched. That that was the punchline and the punctuation for Geno Smith's time with the New York Jets. Yeah, I mean, a lot like kind of like the Brownie Nagel thing. It was like, oh man, we got this guy in the top of the second round who's really a first round talent. This is going to be awesome. And, yeah, I mean, again, it was it was weird. The team wasn't good. He certainly didn't help himself, and that was the end right there. With that punch, it was like, bye-bye. All right, see you later. Ryan Fitzpatrick took over, and they went 10-6, and six, right? Um, all right. Man, I mean, it, the last one, it's one of the USC quarterbacks. All right? I mean, I'll go with Sam Darnold. You can go either one, even though, like you said, Sanchez – he won some playoff games, but the way he was touted, it was like, it's guaranteed. Uh, but Sam Darnold was the same way, and he didn't win any playoff games, so I'll go with Sam Darnold. It's Sammy the Savior. I mean, he's going to save us. It's, it's Don't worry about anything else, everybody. We got Sam Darnold. It's over. In fact, hey, guys, don't even sign anybody on offense. He's so good, he'll do it himself. We don't need receivers or running backs or offensive line. Oh, wait, yeah, you do. That was stupid. But I just think the hype around Sam Darnold and all that was too high, and it led Jets fans to misbelieve in something that wasn't going to really happen. Yeah, I think the level of disappointment is driven by what you expected. And with Sam Darnold going from 6-3 to three to get him, the yep. second quarterback off the board in yep. a draft that was full of great quarterbacks, and there have been multiple guys from that class who have been great quarterbacks that the Jets didn't take, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, it does make it disappointing. Yep. I'm going to go Favre as my last one. Ooh. The guy who would have been the first-round pick in 1991 by the Jets if the Falcons hadn't taken Brett Favre. Later comes to the Jets in 2008 with a ton of hype. Big deal. They had the the the, the press conference and everything's going to be great. And they get out of the gates and everything's good. And then it all falls apart and they don't even go to the playoffs. Eight and he's with two? the team for one year. And they, they were eight and three. Eight and three. they won a Thursday. I think it was a Thursday night game against the Titans. Well, they and everything was, was rolling. We were undefeated. That was no, our, we were 10 was. and 0 Titans. Yeah. The 10 and 0 Titans and Brett Favre and company came to town. And yeah, yeah, uh, yeah they, they, they beat our butt that day. We were worn out from the win streak and it, it like almost fell apart from that point on. They got that win and everybody was like, whoa, they beat the Titans. Are Brett Favre and the Jets the best team in the AFC? And it just it, it, it got worse and worse from that point on. Jets historian Matt Casey points out it was a Thursday night win over the Patriots and then the win over the Titans. I remember asking the league 2008, what happens if the Jets and Giants 
are both hosting conference championship games. Oh. Because remember, until Plexico Burris self-shot himself right. Thanksgiving weekend, the Giants were on track for the one seed. The Jets were on track for the one seed. It was a real question. Yeah. That that, that, that they're gonna what do, what do we do? We're gonna have to split the conference championships up over two days. Yeah. Because there's no way you can clear out the stadium That'd be and awesome. play the other game. I'd, so, I'd like right, to see that are, happen. I maybe it will one of these days. You got four teams now in two stadiums. We gotta take a break. We'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of PFT Live right after this. Now that Sam Darnold has been traded, the 49ers reportedly looking for a first-round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. What do we think the trade value is if and when the phone rings and the 49ers get an opportunity to move Garoppolo, Chris? I mean, realistically, I don't think there's any way you're going to get a first-round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, One, we know the 49ers are looking elsewhere for quarterbacks. Two, it's a guy that has an injury history. I mean, a big-time one. You can't just you know swipe it under the rug that way. So... I would think second, maybe really third when all said and done, Mike. I think that's about as good as it's going to get. Here's the key. He's due to make $25 million. So it's a combination mm. of yeah. what you give up to the 49ers and what he gives up to facilitate a trade. It's not going to be easy to do. We'll find out if it happens. That's it for today. Thanks for some of your time. We'll see you Wednesday morning. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.